0: He surfaced a second time to the slap of detonation from the bridge, guessed that one of the number two mines had gone up. He opened his eyes, saw a lacquered sky, whisk-broom cirrus, cotton-fluff pads. Another bazooka rocket torpedoed over him. He watched its smoke trail shred the blueness, heard its ronchoid scrape, heard the distance, ca-thump, as it cherry-bombed in. He rolled over onto his side, found that he was lying in a brown mush of blood and sand. Pain hit him in savage waves. His left arm felt like it had been plunged in vitriol. He groaned, looked down to find a fillet of red meat hanging off his abdomen, just above the pelvic bone. A mass of flies swarmed on it. He held his good hand over the wound, brushed flies away. His senses strobed, his mind swung towards darkness. He took a dozen sharp breaths to keep his wits together. The ground looked different. Limestone nodules had become jewels as big as carbuncles, the earth swarmed with cart-horse-sized ants. He tried to focus on the bridgehead, saw it infinitely far off. A pall of smog hung over it. Access vehicles there were on fire. He moved his head slightly, clocked the nearer AFV, a giant broken cockroach belching gulps of rancid gas. The shattered bodies of a Totenkopf crew lay around her like a necklace, some of them smouldering. German dead were scattered across the field as if slashed down by a great scythe. Jerry's had taken cover in shallow scrapes behind trees and rocks. They were still shooting. Rounds clipped stones, spittle bugs, dirt. Curries of fire curled out from the blockhouse above him, keeping Fritz in place. It was clear that the Totenkopf attack had lost momentum. Wallace was humped in the dirt by the overturned jeep, swearing obscenely. His left leg was a mess of gore and blackened cloth. He lifted his pudding-stone head, met Kane's eyes, His face was puce-coloured, his pupils needle-points. Cain looked for Grimshaw, spotted his head pop up behind a sword-grass clump. Blood slopped inside his smock, a vice tightened on his guts. It felt as if a horse had kicked in there, like the horse that had killed his father. What an irony that both he and his dad should suffer the same fate. Rounds beetle-buzzed, hit stones, tore off in disconsolate soprano wails. He knew he had to force himself to move. It would be too easy to give in, to fade away and never come back. He fished for his Tommy, drew it to him by the sling, dragged it towards Wallace at a crawl. He struggled to keep his mind clear. Slugs pranged through the jeep's chassis. It took forever to cross inches of ground. By the time he and Wallace were head to head, the giant was trying to raise himself again. He'd taken a round in his right calf. It had skimmed bone. Missed the artery. He was still losing blood, but Kane didn't think it was as bad as it looked. He reached in his pocket for a field dressing, remembered he'd used the last one on himself. Wallace blinked at him, strobed pinpoint eyes. Hold on, mate, Kane choked. We'll get out of this. Wallace wiped blood off his lips with shaky knuckles. That's a good one, that is, Tom. His voice was a hollow rasp. There ain't no way out. Kane knew he was right. None of them was going to make it without the help of Copeland and the other two up in the blockhouse. It would take at least two men to pull them out. That meant reducing covering fire by two-thirds. And that was the only thing holding the Bosch back. Even if Cope risked it, he'd have no more than an even chance of survival. The problem was that he almost certainly would risk it, and that would jeopardise everything.